Welcome once again to At Home in your hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. We come together with our At Home in Your Hymnal program to help you be more at home in your hymnal. We've looked at various aspects of the theology of Lutheran worship. We've looked at several individual sections of our hymnal, different parts of the liturgy, and for the last several episodes we've been looking at hymns every Lutheran should know. We've been uh, analyzing Reformation hymns. We're coming up toward the end of the church year, and we thought it was probably time to analyze Pastor Moline's favorite hymn or one of his favorite hymns. We did The first hymn we did, I believe, was Pastor Moline's favorite hymn, uh, Lord Thee I Love With All My Heart. So this, uh, this is either 1A or a close second. Wake, awake, for night is flying. LSB 516. Pastor, uh, some, some <clears throat> introductory remarks. Is this really a favorite hymn of yours? It, it is, and uh, I think it's one of the gems of the Reformation. It's been taken and uh, made into beautiful music by many of the Lutheran composers that um, uh, are the shining stars of our confession of faith, you know, from Bach uh, to, to others. It, uh, it fits the text perfectly. It's a re. Uh, retelling of an account from Scripture, from Matthew chapter 25. And the music and the text are perfectly wedded together so that when we're talking about the... the heights when we're talking about Christ, we have the beautiful high notes, and when uh, it builds to those notes and carries across the ideas in the music itself, not just in the the words. Uh, and then you know, if to take this beautiful hymn, uh, you know, we have Bach wrote a cantata number one hundred and forty uh, that was based on it, which is probably Bach's greatest cantata that he ever wrote well that that's um, saying something if you're going to say it was box greatest it, well i think it, i think that's not underselling it so uh just to be clear about it and so it has that great history it has all those great um uh, historical attachments to it as well and so hopefully uh we'll, we'll all be on the same page at the end okay now uh this tune may seem a little bit familiar to our listeners it was uh, all the way back in episode 49 looking at Reformation hymns, where we looked at Rise to Arms, Let Prayer Implore You, a great Reformation hymn. And uh, Pastor Pastor Moline was, uh, you know, he, he was kind of pouting the whole program there because... Um, while, while it is a great hymn and uh, the content of the hymn is great, it borrows this particular tune, Wake Awake, and uh, it, it rubbed him the wrong way. Uh, I'll let him defend himself here, but it kind of rubbed him the long, wrong way because uh, this tune in his mind is wake awake for night is flying. And to use it for anything else, um, I don't know, lessens or cheapens the tune. Uh, how, how do you want to respond to what I just brought up, Pastor? Well, I guess the thing I'd say is there are some hymns or, or tunes that are so great that um, – taking the tune and stealing it to fit your own uh, subpar words. <laughs> no, I'm just joking. <laughs> uh, it's, it's kind of um, 
it's trying to ride the coattails of something greater. Uh, it'd be like taking, you know, one of the well-known songs from the 60s that you like to listen to and then me uh, writing some quick words to it and uh, sending it off as my own work later on. And so uh, especially when you have a, a hymn like Wake Awake for Night is Flying where the words and the tune are meshed together so very closely, it, it's just hard for me to think about stealing that and using it for something else. Well, I had to promise him back in episode 49 that we would get to this hymn, uh, Wake Awake for Night is Flying, LSB 516, as quickly as possible. This is episode 52, and so we're going to take a look at the uh, three stanzas in this hymn. We're going to analyze the scripture references that are attached to this hymn, look a little bit at the history behind this hymn. Uh, Pastor Philip Nikolai, 1556 to 1608. This hymn is uh, specifically dated 1599. What can you tell us about uh, what's going on in the world at this point in time? What's going on with uh, Philip Nikolai at this point in time? Well, Philip Nikolai is kind of an interesting character um, because uh, Philip Nikolai ends up in Germany, but he's actually not um, originally from Germany. He he kind of lives an eventful life, if you will. He was originally uh, in the Spanish army uh, and then uh, fled away from serving in that Spanish army. Um, he entered into what is now Western Germany, and this wouldn't be too far from um, like Cologne or from the Netherlands. Uh, he'd be in Western Germany um, and serving as a pastor there after he attended the University of Wittenberg. And uh, as he is serving as a pastor in this little town, um, the, the plague comes through, as was common in that particular time. And so he is serving uh, this community as the plague goes through the town and wipes out many of his members and uh, is killing them. Uh, and so uh, I think more than 1,300 people in his community, if I remember the, the thing I read earlier about it, uh, died from the plague in 1597 to 1598. And so all winter long, he's conducting funerals, as many as 30 funerals a day. Um, and comforting the sick and the grieving, and think of all the families that are hurting as well, losing probably multiple people. And coming out of this uh, terrible plague, he decides to uh, write this hymn that points us forward to what is to come. And it's based off of Matthew 25, and I'm sure we'll read that here in a minute. But he, he took Matthew 25, the parable of the virgins, um, where there's the great rejoicing at the coming of the bridegroom, and uh, the banquet hall is filled, and they go and they celebrate the wedding feast of the Lamb and his kingdom, which has no end, and he writes it into this great hymn. The uh the uh, history here is uh, is amazing, and uh, he was pastor at Uma or Una, excuse me, Una in Westphalia, and uh, some of our hearers may be familiar with that part of Germany. And uh, according to the Lutheran Worship Hymnal Companion, page one ninety five, no less than fourteen hundred people died in the course of the first seven months in fifteen ninety seven. And so, then uh, we have this quote, pondering the many deaths in his parish and the eternal life to follow, Nikolai wrote, 
Day by day, I wrote out my meditations, found myself, thank God, wonderfully well, comforted in heart, joyful in spirit, and truly content, gave to my manuscript name and title of A Mirror of Joy, and took this, thus composed, to leave behind, if God should call me from this world, as the token of my peaceful, joyful Christian departure, or, if God should spare me in health, to comfort other sufferers whom he should also visit with the pestilence. Uh, what a pastoral heart. Yeah. Um, uh, just, I'm just, sh- shivers up my spine as I read that quote from Nikolai. And, and when you think about it, I mean, I don't know what your most funeral hev- heavy time period was. Uh, think about how draining, uh, you know, one funeral is. I remember a week where I had four funerals in the week and how exhausted I was at the end of that. Uh, if you just do a quick math, he's averaging uh, six and a half funerals a day uh, during those seven months of the plague. And that's just just crazy, crazy to think about. He, and yet, what's his faith? Where is he looking? What's his hope? And as he, you read him say, what's the joy that he has? And that is in Christ, who, whether we live or die, uh, will rescue us from this world. The uh, text that this ha- hymn is primarily based on is Matthew twenty-five one to thirteen. Are you? Do you have those words handy, Pastor? I do. This is the gospel reading for the last Sunday in the church year, sometimes called the Sunday of the Fulfillment, and uh, this is the hymn of the day, appropriately for the last Sunday in the church year. Matthew twenty-five one to thirteen. Jesus said. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them, but the wise took flasks of oil with their lamps. As the bridegroom was delayed, they all became drowsy and slept. But at midnight there was a cry, Here is the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all those virgins rose and trimmed their lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. But the wise answered, saying, Since there will not be enough for us and for you, go rather to the dealers and buy for yourself. And while they were going to buy, the bridegroom came, and those who were ready went in with him to the marriage feast, and the door was shut. Afterward, the other virgins came also, saying, Lord, Lord, open to us. But he answered, Truly I say to you, I do not know you. Watch, therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour. Okay, that's the uh, parable of the wise and foolish virgins, Matthew 25, 1-13. We're looking at LSB 516, Wake Awake for Night is Flying. This hymn is primarily based on this particular parable. It's the hymn of the day for the last Sunday in the church year. When we come back from our break, this is episode 52, when we come back from our break, we're going to look at the uh, words in greater detail in verse 1. But as we head to that break, let's listen to stanza 1, LSB 516, Wake Awake for Night is Flying.
KNNALP 95.7 FM Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back once again to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Poppy, Pastor Moline. We are looking at LSB 516, Wake Awake, for Night is Flying. This is episode 52. We heard stanza one as we went for our first break, and as we returned back from that break again. Pastor, do you want to read those words? Stanza one, LSB 516. Wake, awake, for night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. Midnight hears the welcome voices, and at the thrilling cry rejoices. O where are ye, ye virgins wise? The bridegroom comes awake, your lamps with gladness take. Alleluia! With bridal care yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. Okay, now if you are not familiar... With the parable of the ten virgins, you may think that you're just singing or you just heard Pastor Moline read some nice poetry, but really a lot of mumbo-jumbo. This, uh, this bride-bridegroom wedding imagery is not reserved to the Gospel of Matthew, the 25th chapter. In fact, if you look in a tiny little print down in the bottom of LSB 516, you'll also see a reference to Isaiah 62, 5 to 12. Pastor, do you want to read that section of God's Word, Isaiah 62, 5 to 12? For as a young man marries a young woman, so shall your sons marry you. And as the bridegroom rejoices over the bride, so shall your God rejoice over you. On your walls, Jerusalem, I have set watchmen all the day and all the night. They shall never be silent. You who put the Lord in remembrance, take no rest, and give him no rest until he establishes Jerusalem, and make it a praise in the earth. The Lord has sworn by his right hand and by his mighty arm, I will not again give your grain to be food for your enemies, and foreigners shall not drink your wine, for which you have labored. But those who garner it shall eat it, and praise the Lord. And those who gather it shall drink it in the courts of my sanctuary. Go through, go through the gates, prepare the way for the people. Build up, build up the highway, clear it of stones, lift up a signal over the peoples. Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth. 
Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him, and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. And you shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Now we have a uh, sister program on KNNALP theological programming here in Lincoln, Nebraska, where we take a look at the upcoming readings called Proclaiming the One. And we uh, go in great detail with the scripture readings for particular days. If you, if you want more, go to the last Sunday in the church here. We've got several years archived. You can check that out. We don't have time in this program to get into a great detail detailed study of either one of these texts, but they are both extremely important for us to understand what this hymn is singing, teaching, celebrating. Pastor, first of all, uh, briefly teach us the meaning of the wise and the foolish virgins, the oil, the lamps, the door being shut, and people being excluded. Uh, how are we to understand that in light of... Uh, a Christian today living in God's word. Yeah. Um, well, the parable of the wise and foolish virgins is an important one because it teaches us, um, first off, how you're saved. And so we have uh, five wise virgins and five foolish virgins. And uh, the, the question is, what makes one wise and what makes one a fool? And and according to Scripture, uh, specifically many places in Scripture mention this, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. Uh, in other words, faith. Faith is what makes one wise. Faith that the bridegroom is coming back, faith that uh, Christ will return, and what makes one a fool is lack of faith. And so we have these uh, 10 ladies, five who have faith and five who don't, and they're all then waiting also for something, for the bridegroom to come. That's what virgins do. That's the whole marriage procedure. So um, they're waiting, and it takes a really long time, so much so that they fall asleep. And I think that then reflects our, our lives here, right? We're 2,000 years since the life of Christ on this earth. Uh, is he coming back or is he not? And uh, unfortunately, it seems sometimes as if the church is falling asleep. And yet we still have those who have faith, and we do have some who don't have faith. Um, and so it's looking forward to the last day when Christ does return, uh, much as a groom arrives to marry his bride. Um, and at that moment, will we have faith or will be running around trying to figure out how to get faith? And of course, the way we get faith is through the word and the sacraments. And when Christ returns, it's too late for that. So if you have no faith when Christ returns, the door is shut to you to eternal life, to God's kingdom, to heaven. Um, and um, I know that's oftentimes our focus, but I think the good news, and especially that this hymn is going to bring out, is that we get in. We're going to be in the feast. We're going to be in heaven. Uh, we get that promise to us, and that's the thing we're looking forward to with joy. So just to make make sure everyone is perfectly clear, who is the bridegroom? Jesus. Jesus is the bridegroom. And so we are talking about Jesus is the bridegroom. He has lived a perfect life. He has died a victorious, atoning death on Calvary's cross. He has risen from the dead and ascended to the right hand of God. And he promises that he will return on the last day. Correct. Will he find faith on the earth? In a sense, that is really a summary of what Jesus is teaching and admonishing in the parable of the uh, uh, ten virgins. 
And it reflects, uh, like, for example, Ephesians chapter 5, where Jesus talks about husbands and wives. Wives, submit to your husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. And Paul goes on and says this really has nothing to do with weddings, but it has to do with Christ. And marriage in this world is a reflection of the relationship between Christ and the church. And, and so that's really a key thing for us to get. And then in Isaiah 62, we have a lot of salvation talk going on here. Uh, We have the Lord has sworn sworn by his right hand, by his mighty arm, um, the uh, salvation that God gives will be proclaimed to the ends of the earth. Behold, your salvation comes. His reward is with him meaning the bridegroom who is returning. We have, uh, we have all of this um, prophetic talk in Isaiah 62 about God coming to Zion and bringing salvation. How does that fit in to this last part of the church year, end of the world, judgment day kind of scenario for the Christian? Well, um, when we get to the end of the church year, we are looking forward to the end of the world because we need to keep in mind that this world isn't going to go on forever. It is going to come to an end, and it will come to an end when Christ comes back. And do you know the day or the hour? No, no one knows, much as in the ancient uh, world with marriages, you didn't really have a date picked out. You know, today we get to save the date card. You didn't have that back then. When the bridegroom was ready and the the father of the bride uh, approved everything to take care of his daughter, that's the day the wedding was. It could be at any time, any moment, and you always had to be ready for that. And in the same way, the church is called to be ready for Christ to come back any time, any moment. It could be before this airs on the radio, it could be a thousand years more. I, I don't know. But we need to be ready as if it's going to happen at any moment. And we can't think, as some people do, that um, I'll believe tomorrow, today I'm going to have some fun. Uh, that's the foolish virgin from the parable. Wake, awake, for night is flying. What does that phrase teach us where we begin stanza one? Well, I think um, the beauty of this, there's several things. First off, uh, we're reflecting the words of Matthew 25, where the virgins are asleep and are awakened by the trumpet call of uh, their their bridegroom, or in our case, Christ returning. And we know from, uh, uh, for example, Thessalonians, that when Christ does return on the last day, there will be a trumpet sound um, that the whole world hears and every eye will see Christ return. And so we picture that taking place in this wedding setting where uh, the trumpet sounds and now the call is to wake up because the night is quickly going by and the wedding is about to begin and uh, no more time left for sleeping. Let's apply this uh, these first couple of uh, lines to our situation today. Wake, awake, for night is flying. The watchmen on the heights are crying. Awake, Jerusalem, arise. How is this your pastor in the pew preaching to you today? Well, I think the idea of watchmen, I was hoping we get a chance to talk about that. Uh, You know, we had that in Isaiah passage, the watchmen that God has set to continually keep an eye out and make sure people are awake and make sure people hear the word. And for us today, that is the pastor that does that. And this is a big thing in the Old Testament that I think we oftentimes just skip over, even around the temple in Jerusalem, both in the time of Solomon and then again in the time of Christ, there were watchmen all the time keeping uh 
uh, eye to make sure nobody got in the temple that shouldn't, to make sure that uh, everybody was aware. Um, Even overnight, there's these watchmen keeping track to make sure no shenanigans takes place. Uh, maybe we need more of those sorts of things happening now. Well, you, you, you see that. You watch an old Western, too. Yeah. And uh, depending on where the ranch is at, you've got hired hands that are up on top of the roof of the house uh, because the uh, Apaches might attack on one side and the Bondoleros might attack on the other side. you got to keep watch. And if the watchman sees something, the watchman... Uh, fires a shot or sounds a warning to, for everybody to wake up and be on guard. The If somebody is going to attack, they sneak in and they kill the watchman. And so we see that played out in the church and through the church in a variety of ways all the time. Now, the remainder of stanza one just kind of sings us through the parable of the wise and foolish virgins. Midnight hears the welcome voices, and at the thrilling cry rejoices, O where are ye, ye virgins wise? The bridegroom comes, awake, your lamps with gladness take. Alleluia. I want to point out, the bridegroom comes, awake, that is a reference to the resurrection, right? And we need to make sure that we understand that. Um, the resurrection is proclaimed very clearly with that. Okay. And um, uh, with bridal care, yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. Now, we prepare and we meet the bridegroom uh, not only by reading this parable and thinking about the last day. God is calling us in a variety of ways to be prepared and meet the bridegroom today. And how does that tie in with Easter Sunday? We'll take that when we come back from our break. We need to take a short one. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. We'll be right back. FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline. We're privileged to serve the saints at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. Come join us for worship, listen on the radio, check us out. Most of things can be accessed at our radio website, thecross957.org, or go to your favorite podcast provider, KNNA Theological Programming. Pastor, you made a bold statement and a bold comment right before we went into break, and that's why I wanted to play that little section uh, one more time. Before people uh, uh, lost sight of that, you said, and uh, I'll try to give you as close to a direct quote as I can, You said the line in stanza one, the bridegroom comes awake, is a reference to Easter Sunday, a reference to the resurrection. Um, Is it, 
Easter Sunday? Is it the resurrection on the last day? Uh, is it both? Uh, what were you thinking there? And uh, teach us. Yeah, it, it is all of them, right? But we have the bridegroom, and so we're talking about Christ here. And when he comes, when he comes back, he's awake, which um, that's that's a big thing, right? Uh, we've been waiting for 2,000 years. People don't live that long. Is he going to be alive? He was also crucified and killed and put into a tomb. Is he alive? And the answer the hymn gives is absolutely yes. Christ is awake and awake forever. And this also then references the scriptures which teach that death is really more of a sleep uh, for the Christian in the sense that when I go to sleep at night, uh, I wake up the next day. Um, and that's the same idea we're getting here. Okay, so uh, Jesus is awake, uh, awake from the sleep of death, and when he comes and speaks a word, the dead bodies all around the world, every person who has ever lived, uh, will come back to life as well, the resurrection of the flesh on the last day. Um, Your lamps with gladness take, hallelujah. With and that even there, Matthew 5 says, Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And again, we have that idea that uh, why do we have a light shining in us? Because we are in the faith. This is one of those hymns where you just have all those images and illusions of Scripture popping up as you, uh, as you pause with each particular line. With bridal care yourselves prepare to meet the bridegroom who is near. How is this, Pastor, an admonition for Christians today to hear the word, receive the sacraments, believe the gospel? Well, I think um, the words, he is near, uh, are the key here because Christ is returning, and uh, as he says in Revelation 22, uh, he is coming soon. Um, And that's key. It's not like like I said earlier, we can live and have fun now and, and sin as much as we want now and we'll become Christians later on uh, on our deathbeds, you know, and then we'll be fine. It, it, Christ could be back any moment. Soon and very soon he returns. And we need to be aware of that and keep that in the forefront of our mind. And you think about it in the context of the hymn being written with a plague going on and a huge numbers of people dying, that's a real reality for them, that they could die soon. And then they'll witness Christ uh, face-to-face at that moment. And I think for us as well, you know, we're facing the pandemic, and I know it's getting old and we're tired of talking about it, but that's the reality, right? And that's what the Christian hope is, that even if I get the plague and I die, or I get the COVID and I die, I get to be with Christ. That's the thing that's coming soon for me. And I think we've kind of lost that in the church today. We have people more afraid than uh, eager to meet Christ. Yeah, we we, uh, we would be writing hymns today about hoarding toilet paper and canned goods, buying a generator, and uh, praying for a vaccine. Uh, those would be our the things that we, we see. If you look at the headlines, this is where our focus is, rather than fixing our eyes ever more clearly on the one who overcomes sin, death, and the grave, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. There, uh, There's one more major section of Scripture that is referenced here in LSB 516, Wake, awake, for night is flying. We already looked at Matthew 25, 1-13, Isaiah 62, 5-12. And that last one, I don't know, Pastor, have you ever heard of these, these uh, verses? Revelation 7. 
9 to 17. Yeah. Uh, have you ever heard heard of those words before? Yeah. This is Pastor Moline's favorite section of Scripture, or one of them, because he talks about it all the time. Matt, uh, Revelation 7, 9 to 17. You want to read those, please? Uh, yeah, just a second. I was, I was looking ahead to Revelation 19 as well, where we have the marriage supper of the Lamb referenced, and uh, that's really the whole idea of this hymn as well. Uh, Revelation 7 is... Um, Let's see, how far should I read? 9 to 17. 9 to 17. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number, from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne, and to the Lamb. And all the angels were standing around the throne and around the elders and the four living creatures, and they fell on their faces before the throne and worshipped God, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Amen. Then one of the elders addressed me, saying, Who are these clothed in white robes, and from where have they come? I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. And he who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to springs of living water. And God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We hear those words uh, at the deathbed. We hear those words in a funeral service. We uh, heard those words in the divine service on All Saints Day. These are very, very comforting, very uh, inspiring words because they fix our eyes on Jesus, his victory over sin, death, and the grave, and his promise to return and take us to be with him to heaven where there is no more pain, no more suffering, no more tears, no more heartache. Um, In the historical context of this hymn, that is a great comfort to fix our eyes, not on the problems of this world, but on the promises of God. Pastor, read that uh, Revelation 19 passage then too, would you please? Revelation 19, 6 to 9. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters and like the sound of a mighty peal of thunder, crying out, Hallelujah, for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, Write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, These are the true words of God. Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage feast of the Lamb. So how do I get that invitation, Pastor? Again, it's by hearing the Word. It's by faith. Um, Word and sacrament give you faith, and the faith looks to Christ, and and that's, I hate to say it this way, it's like your entrance ticket to the wedding feast. The mission of the church is to 
proclaim God's word and its truth and purity. And in one sense, the preaching and teaching of God's word and its truth and purity is the invitation to the marriage feast of the Lamb going out. And it goes out continually. Um, that's why you call a pastor to preach. Uh, pastor, let's take a look at stanza two. You want to read those words before we go into our next break? Zion hears the watchman singing, and all her heart with joy is springing. She wakes, she rises from her gloom, for her Lord comes down all glorious, the strong in grace, in truth victorious. Her star is risen, her light is come. Now come, thou blessed one, Lord Jesus, God's own Son, hail, Hosanna. We enter all the wedding hall to eat the supper at thy call. Okay, we have just, again, amazing, amazing imagery that is here. Zion hears the watchman singing. Who's Zion, Pastor? Well, that'd be the church, uh, and Zion is kind of a way that the city of Jerusalem is talked about, and we're seeing here again then the heavenly Jerusalem, which is the uh, invisible church, all the people who believe in Jesus. We have a great uh, uh, we have a great celebration going on, saints, angels that are before the throne of God, as we heard in Revelation 7, with harp and cymbals, clearest tone. Um, uh, oh, I'm in uh, stanza three there. Sorry about That's that. That's okay. Uh, yeah, yeah, okay. Uh, she wakes, she rises from her gloom. What gloom are we talking about here? Are we, are we talking about the gloom of sin and the call to faith? Are we talking about going from death to to life uh, by grace through faith? Are we talking about the resurrection of the dead on the last day? What's happening here? I'd say that and even more, and, and I'd say it reflects the words of Revelation 7. These are the ones who have come out of the great tribulation. Uh, in other words, they've come out of their gloom. The things that have weighed them down are released from them. Uh, or, you know, for Nikolai, uh, the uh, people are released from the plague, or for us, from the pandemic. The things that sin has given us, God takes away. For her Lord comes down all glorious. And uh, we want to start there when we come back from our break. As we head into our break, let's listen to stanza two of LSB 516, Wake Awake, for Night is Flying.
You are listening to KNNALP 95.7 FM, Lincoln, Nebraska. Welcome back to At Home in Your Hymnal, Pastor Clint Poppy, Pastor Adam Moline, Good Shepherd Lutheran Church in Lincoln, Nebraska. This is episode 52. We're looking at the uh, great Lutheran hymn, Wake Awake for Night is Flying, LSB 516. We've... uh, looked at the history we've looked at uh, stanza one in great detail we uh, we've been looking at stanza two and as we read through these stanzas we have allusions to scripture everywhere in the uh, lutheran worship hymnal companion we have um, not only the four bigger chunks of scripture that we've looked at revelation 21 21 1 Corinthians 2, 9, Ezekiel 3, 17, Isaiah 3, 8. These are just four examples of a myriad of places where specific words and phrases from Holy Scripture are included almost verbatim in this hymn. And uh, you sing and you got all these pieces of Scripture just uh, lighting up in your mind and in your heart. It is uh, truly amazing. But right in the middle of stanza two, Pastor, it says, um, her Lord comes down all glorious. Is this a reference to Jesus coming again on the last day? Or could this also be an allusion to the incarnation when the Lord of Lords and King of Kings takes on flesh and blood and makes his dwelling among us? I think it's all of these things. I think also we can talk about um, Palm Sunday when Christ comes down into Jerusalem. Uh, we can think about the wedding again where the Lord comes. And I want to point out then the interesting thing. You know, we have this idea from the parable that they're standing on the walls and they're watching someone come up to the walls to enter into the city. And that's usually an upwalk. And yet here we have the word saying, the Lord comes down all glorious. And this again then is teaching us about Jesus and his second coming. It's it's Christ, the resurrected one, coming down from heaven. And we can take it in incarnation. We can take it in, um, you know, the Easter Holy Week season. We can take it in the end of the world. We can take it in all these things. And I think that's why it's such a great lyric. The, uh, the reference to Palm Sunday is very, very clear because we have Hail Hosanna, uh, and uh, we sing the Hosanna in the Divine Service, Pastor. When do we sing that? At what part in the service? We sing that um, when we have the words of institution that are spoken and Christ is present in, with, and under the bread and the wine on the altar. So we have that we connection have that of him coming as well. Uh, we enter the wedding hall to eat the supper at thy call. Is this the heavenly banquet at the end of the world, or is this a reference to the Lord's Supper, Pastor? 
again, I think it's both of those things, uh, and I think that's the beauty of it. It brings all of that in. We even have the idea of the uh, the star is risen, uh, her star is risen again. Christ being the uh, the star uh, of the east and all these things. It's just really great. Let's uh, let's take a look at stanza three now. LSB five sixteen. Wake awake for night is flying. You want to read those words, please. Now let all the heavens adore thee. Let saints and angels sing before thee with harp and cymbals clearest tone. Of one pearl, each shining portal, where joining with the choir immortal, we gather round thy radiant throne. No eye has seen the light, no ear has seen the, heard the might of thy glory. Therefore we will we eternally sing hymns of praise and joy to thee. What a beautiful picture of heaven we have there in stanza three. Would you agree, Pastor? Yeah, and I, I think that's just really the, the beauty of it. It quotes, again, Revelation in many ways. It quotes uh, other scriptural passages, and it's bringing the picture of heaven that we can't even comprehend or understand uh, to us. Revelation twenty one twenty one is quoted almost verbatim in stanza three. Let's listen to stanza three, and I should give a shout out. We are listening to a CPH recording, Heirs of the Reformation, uh, Treasures of the Singing Church, copyright CPH 2008, just happens to be something that we own, and uh, it is a, a little bit more of an embellished choral kind of a singing of this hymn, not not the way we would normally sing it on Sunday morning, but um, it gets the, it gets the message out. Pastor, and, you want to comment on that? And do listen to Bach's Cantata 140. Uh, in its entirety, which really just nails it. It's do you, so do you have a program out on bringing back Bach? I have a program half written about it. Oh, yeah. yeah. Checks in the mail. Here's stanza three, LSB 516. Wow, that was an amazing ending to that hymn, uh, the fanfare, the uh, brass, the words of the hymn. It uh, gives us a, a little slice of heaven right here on earth. Pastor, your, uh, your comments on stanza three. Uh, it really does, and it quotes so many things from Scripture to teach us about heaven, and um, it, um, it really paints a very clear picture of something that is impossible to put into human words because our sinful minds can't wrap themselves around what awaits us in God's eternal kingdom. Yes, it is. Uh, it is amazing. It is beautiful. Um, LSB 516, 
Philip Nikolai, 1556-1608. The tune is also for the uh, Reformation hymn, Rise to Arms, Let Prayer Implore You. Awake, Awake for Night is Flying has a long history in the uh, Lutheran Church. It has, uh, it has been sung for centuries. It um, is in uh, TLH, hymn 609, in the Judgment Day section of the hymnal. It is uh, LW177 in the Sunday of the Fulfillment section of the hymnal. It is, um, it's an amazing, a majestic hymn. We will be singing it at Good Shepherd on the last Sunday in the church year. Um, if we don't sing it, it will be over my dead body, says Pastor Moline. That's right. Uh, so I, I think the, uh, I think the Sunday school kids are singing the first verse as well. Oh, okay. I heard them practicing that the other day. All right, let's briefly go through the uh, Wolf Mueller hymn cruncher. Is Jesus mentioned? Yes, he is. Uh, he's mentioned directly, and he's also alluded to multiple times. Is the song clear? I think it is clear. Um, I think you do have to know the scriptures, uh, and I think that... that Clarity is there when you know the scriptures. Mysticism is the song about the things God has done or about my own emotions and feelings. This is a great one because it is about what God has done, but then it allows you to have those emotions of joy and happiness and peace that come from that. Law and gospel. I think it's very clear. We talked about how we come out of the gloom of this world uh, and into the salvation and redemption that Christ gives. Is there any explicit false teaching? That would be a no. Okay. So we've been doing this, and again, this is 100% subjective. There is no scientific criteria or data that is uh, used. It is a pure schwarmerei gut feeling uh, on how we rate it. Uh, Pastor Moline gets the opportunity to rate the hymn 1 to 10, and so does Pastor Poppy. So, uh, Pastor Moline, I, I hate to even ask, but uh, on a scale of 1 to 10, what are you going to give this? I'd give this one a 10. I mean, I I mean, I think shocker, uh, shocker, shocker. The jewel of the Reformation, really, uh, as far as hymnody. Okay, Uh, and I love this hymn, um, and I'm going to give it an eight and a half. Yeah, you're going to stick to your other one, huh? Please, uh, please don't, please don't hate me for that, Pastor. But the reason is, is because it does have a little bit of limited usage. Uh, there are certain times of the year when uh, this hymn is not sung. Now, maybe it could be, and maybe it should be, but it's not. It's almost always reserved for the last three or four weeks in the church year or the first two weeks in Advent. And maybe that's something that with your leadership and inspiration, we can break out of that mold. Also, um, this is a hymn that if you are a Christian and you know the scriptures, it just comes alive in your mind. But this is not a hymn that gives um, a lot of doctrinal kind of statements that points us to the life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. It's not quite as explicit as I would like personally for for a hymn to, to reach that 9, 10 category. Are, you, are we still friends? We, we can still be friends, uh, as I strongly disagree with you. <laughs> and, and the one that steals the hymn tune from this, you know, I would put it lower and you put higher. So I guess turnabout's fair play, uh, and yet still this hymn 
hits all the right things, and it does have a very specific use for the last Sunday of the church year. And traditionally, for the last 400 years, that's when it's been sung. And so I don't think... Um, I mean, the same, we could say the same thing about O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It has one specific place that it's supposed to be sung, and that does not in itself limit the greatness of the hymn for that particular Sunday. Well, point well taken, point well taken. Now, in our time that's left, Pastor, you're, mm-hmm. you see the clock. Um, from the Hymnal Companion, Lutheran Worship, page 195. With its unique trochaic iambic meter, this hymn is patterned after the watchman songs of the Middle Ages, But, where the latter warned workers of darkness to escape discovery, Nikolai's hymn calls Christians to the light. Explain that to me in layman's terms, would you please? And uh, if you can, uh, in the time that we have left, if you can talk just a little bit about how that flows into what Bach did with this hymn. Well, uh the iambic and troic uh, meter that you're talking about, iambic, uh, you probably know from when you studied uh, Shakespeare in school. Iambic um, pentameter. And troac, troic uh, is just a different uh, version of that. A, a troic is a stressed syllable following an unstressed one. So it's the ba-dum, 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 ba-dum. Okay. And you see that in the, the lyrics. Um Da, 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 da. That, that's it, that meter that they're talking about. To me, about. I hear fanfare. I hear fanfare. Yeah. And so for the untrained music person, it has a fanfare-like way of presenting itself. I, I point out then that that fanfare, especially you see the first verse um, where the watchmen on the heights are crying, that uh, uh, takes it straight up there, and we have the highest notes singing that while we're on the heights with Christ watching and, and all these beautiful things. And so it all fits together very clearly. Okay. Um there's so much more on this particular hymn. I encourage you to uh, check out episode 49 if you'd like a little bit more on the tune. I would also encourage you to uh, encourage Pastor Moline that he hurry up and get the Bach program done on this particular hymn. The end of the church here is coming very, very quickly. And I think that would be something that would be a great blessing and benefit for all of us. And uh, with with that, I think we're going to bring this particular episode, episode 52, to a close. This is At Home in Your Hymnal. Wake Awake for Night is Flying, LSB 516. We'll see you again next week. God's richest blessings in Christ.